السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ Only two verses, but yes, exactly. 282 is the longest verse of the Qur'an. What is this verse called? Ayatul Dain. Good. So inshallah we will study Ayatul Dain today. Alright, we'll do the translation. Are you ready? Okay. Everybody say, A'udhu Billah together. A'udhu Billah Ya Ayyuhah. الذين آمنوا إذا تداينتم contracted بدين إلى أجل مسمى فاكتبوه وليكتب بينكم كاتب بالعدل ولا يأبى كاتب أن يكتب كما علمه الله فليكتب وليملل الذي عليه الحق وليتقي الله ربه ولا يبخس منه شيئا فإن كان الذي عليه الحق سفيها أو ضعيفا أو لا يستطيع أن يمل هو فليملل وليه بالعدل واستشهد شهيدين من رجالكم فإن لم يكونا رجلين فرجل وامرأتان ممن ترضون من الشهداء أن تضل إحداهما فتذكر إحداهما الأخرى ولا يأبى الشهداء witnesses إذا ما دعوا ولا تسأموا أن تكتبوه صغيرا أو كبيرا إلى أجله ذلكم أقسط عند الله وأقوم للشهادة وأدنى ألا ترتابوا إلا أن تكون تجارة حاضرة تديرونها بينكم فليس عليكم جناح ألا تكتبوها 
وَأَشْهِدُوا إِذَا تَبَايَعْتُمْ وَلَا يُضَارَّ كَاتِبٌ وَلَا شَهِيدٌ وَإِن تَفْعَلُوا فَإِنَّهُ فُسُوقٌ بِكُمْ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٌ وَإِن كُنْتُمْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ وَلَمْ تَجِدُوا كَاتِبًا فَرِهَانٌ شُورْتِيز مَقْبُوضَةٌ فَإِن أَمِنَ بَعْضُكُمْ بَعْضًا فَلْيُؤَدِّ الَّذِي أُؤْتُمِنَ أَمَانَتَهُ وَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ رَبَّهُ وَلَا تَكْتُمُوا الشَّهَادَةَ وَمَنْ يَكْتُمْهَا فَإِنَّهُ آثِمٌ قَلْبُهُ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ Okay, let's do the tafsir. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya ayyuhallathina amanu, O you who have believed, إِذَا تَدَايَنْتُمْ بِدَيْنٍ When you all mutually contract a loan. Meaning when two parties are involved, one is giving a loan and the other is taking a loan. Then in this situation, you must follow some rules. What are those rules? They're listed over here in this ayah. But before we get into the details, remember that this ayah is the longest ayah of the Qur'an and it is called Ayatul Dain, the verse of the Dain. And Dain means loan or debt. And this is something very interesting. The longest ayah in the Qur'an is not an ayah that describes the events of the hereafter. It's not an ayah that is telling us how we should perform salah or how we should do hajj. The longest ayah of the Qur'an is teaching us about how we should lend and borrow money. Because remember that in our deen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us rules which are related to ibadat, akhlaqiyat, and mu'amalat. What are ibadat? Rituals. Worship. Worship rituals. Right? Prayer, fasting, charity, hajj, umrah. Right? And we have read about these details in the surah. Secondly, we are also given rules regarding akhlaqiyat. What are akhlaqiyat? Manners. We learned about speaking in a good way to people, waqulu linnasi husna, forgiving, repenting, etc. Then we are also taught rules about mu'amalat. What is mu'amalat? Dealings with people. How we are to deal with one another. No matter what kind of interaction it is, we are given rules about that. We are given guidelines about that. So remember that Islam is not just about prayer, charity, and good manners. Islam also teaches you about how you should deal with people. How you should borrow, how you should lend, etc. So remember that 
the rules or the laws that we are given in Islam, they achieve certain goals. And they're known as maqasidu sharia. Alright, the maqasid of sharia. Maqasid means objectives. And sharia meaning law. So there are objectives of Islamic law. And I want you to know what those objectives are. Because if you understand this, you will understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do certain things, and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden us certain things. Those five objectives, they're not listed over here, you need to write them down as you listen. Alright, five objectives of sharia. What are they? First of all, preservation of life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us rules, and He has forbidden certain things. Why? So that human life is preserved. Okay? Can you think of a law that we learned in the surah that preserves human life? Yes, the law of qisas. That if someone has committed murder, then he will be punished, severely punished. Why? So that the crime of murder does not spread between people. Because usually one murder leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. And so a lot of human life is wasted like this. Okay, so that's one example. The second objective is preservation of religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us certain rules that we must abide by so that our religion is preserved. Can you give me an example of that? What are some things that Allah has commanded us to do so that our deen stays a part of our lives? It doesn't die out with time. Okay, da'wah, calling people to Islam. What else? Exactly, guard your salah, especially the middle one. Even if you're going through divorce, hafilu ala salawat, wassalatil wusta. Then the third objective is preservation of intellect, or sanity you could say. Can you think of a rule that we're given that preserves our intellect? Prohibition of alcohol, right? Then the fourth is preservation of Property, wealth. So, can you give me an example? Very good. Inheritance law, right? Prohibition of theft. Prohibition of bribe. Remember we learned about that in the surah also? وَتُدُلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ Alright? Then prohibition of interest. All of this is for the preservation of people's property. And then finally, preservation of lineage. A person should know who they belong to, where they're from, what their lineage is. So for this, is there any rule that we studied? Yes? Exactly. After divorce, there's an idda. There's a waiting period. After death of the husband also, there's waiting period. Right? And then prohibition of zina. The obligation of marriage. Right? So all of this is for the purpose of preserving the lineage. Now, here, this entire ayah is talking about the rules of lending and borrowing. Alright? So which objective is being achieved over here? Preservation of property. Because, has it ever happened that someone says to you, can I borrow this from you? And you say yes, and they borrow it for the rest of their lives. Alright? You just never... See it back. Maybe you've made that mistake. Where you borrow something and you don't even remember how to give it back, when to give it back. Over time you forget. You promised that you would return something and you just forgot. Because you didn't write it down. 
Right? So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us certain rules regarding borrowing and returning. One more thing before we begin the ayah. In the last few pages of Surah Al-Baqarah, we have been learning about sadaqah, giving in charity. Charity is what? That you give something for free. You just give it. And you expect reward from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we learned about prohibition of riba. What is riba? That you give a loan for a fee. Fee. You charge them for borrowing money from you. This is prohibited. But there's a third option, which is of dain. That you give a loan for free. What does that mean? That you lend something to someone, you don't charge them for borrowing it from you. However, they have to return it to you. Sadaqah is what? You give it, you don't expect it back. Interest is what? You give it and you expect something additional. Dain is that you give and then you get it back. You understand the difference? There is sadaqah, there is riba, and there is dain. Sadaqah is rewardable. Riba is punishable. And dain is permissible. One is rewardable, one is punishable, and the third is permissible. So let's begin the ayah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, إِذَا تَدَايَنْتُمْ بِدَيْنٍ When you contract a dain. Dain from دَال Dain is something that is given to another, lent to another person for a duration of time. Dain is specific in the sense that payment of something is delayed until a certain time. Okay, think of it this way. One type of transaction is that you go to a store, you pick up a bag of chips right there, you give the money, you brought the chips home. You didn't bring them home actually, you ate them on the way. Alright? This is what? When you gave the money, you got your bag of chips, what is that? Transaction that was made concluded right there. But sometimes there are bigger transactions which because of the nature of the transaction what happens is that the payment is delayed. Okay? The payment is delayed. So for example, you go to a store, a furniture store and you place an order. And you say that okay, I will pay for it now. Alright? And the store people say they will deliver the furniture to you two weeks later. Alright? You paid for it, but now they have to deliver the furniture to you two weeks later. You understand? Because you can't possibly carry all that furniture with you as you walk out of the store. Likewise, there could be a situation where you buy something, but you delay the payment. You know, you buy something on credit, for example. So you delay the payment by a month, by two months, whatever is agreed upon. These things happen, isn't it? And sometimes they're necessary because of the nature of the transaction. The Prophet ﷺ once met someone and this man was trying to sell his horse. So the Prophet ﷺ asked him that, okay, I want to buy this horse from you for this much money. The man said, okay, fine. So now the transaction was made, however, the payment was delayed. How the Prophet ﷺ did not have that money with him. He said, come with me and I will give you the money. 
So you understand the payment was slightly delayed. Okay. So Dain is delayed payment. Okay. Dain is what? Delayed payment. And this can take many forms. One form is for the price of something you buy. So basically when you purchase on credit. Another form could be when you give wages to someone. Like for example, you are working at a restaurant for example. Do you get your pay every minute? Every second? That okay, you laid the table now, okay, this is your money. No, when do you get your paycheck? Whatever is agreed upon, sometimes at the end of the month, sometimes at the end of the week, sometimes at the end of the day, right? But while you're working, you're not getting paid. When do you get paid? After some time. So the payment is delayed. You understand? This can also come be in another form, which is when you borrow money from someone. Okay, You borrow money or something of value from someone. So you say, okay, I will return this thousand dollars to you after two years, for example. So all of this is part of Dain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when you make a contract, when you make a transaction of Dain, and this is mutual, tadayantum, because one party is lending, the other is borrowing, ila ajalim musamma, for a specified term. So the first thing we learn about Dain is that Dain is permissible, Secondly, it has to be for a specified term. Musamma is from wow seen meme. Wasm is to put a mark on something. We learned simahum earlier. They're distinguishing mark. So uh, musamma is one that is specified because what is marked is specified. Musamma is also from ism. Ism is a name. Tasmiyah is to give a name to something or someone. So musamma is one that is named, meaning one that is defined. So the term is defined. What is that term? Two weeks, three weeks, one year, five years, ten years, how much ever. But it should be fixed. Then what should you do? Faktubuhu. You must write it down. You must have it in writing. What should you have in writing? That person A is borrowing this much money from person B for this much time. He will return it at this date. Or person A is going to work for person B for these many hours and this is the payment, this is how much he's going to pay him and the paycheck must be given at the end of every week. You understand? Whatever the agreement is, you have to put it in writing because the payment is delayed. So put it in writing. Now the question is, why write? What's the benefit of writing this down? Exactly. You don't forget. All the details are put in writing. You don't forget. Any other benefit? No one's going to turn against you and say, no, no, I didn't owe you anything. No one's going to run off with your money. And if they try to do that, you have the proof that no, you're supposed to give me this much money. And you haven't given me this much money. Right? Preservation of property. Yes? Oh, in the case that you die then your heirs know that they have to give money to someone or receive money from someone on your behalf. Right? So, فَكْتُبُوهُ وَلْيَكْتُبْ Now the question is, who should write it down? وَلْيَكْتُبْ And he should write, بَيْنَكُمْ Between you, كَاتِبٌ A scribe. Katib is a person who writes. And this refers to a scribe. Now you may wonder, why not just write yourself? You see, back at that time, in fact, 
Even today, there are many people who don't know how to write. For whatever reason, they don't know how to write. Or, the thing is that to make such legal documents, you need to know how to put them together. And everybody doesn't know. Right? There are some words that everybody doesn't understand, financial terms that people don't understand, legal disclaimers that people don't understand, some details that are recognized by the law, average person doesn't recognize them. You know when you download something and it says you cannot continue until you agree with and you accept all the terms and conditions? Right? I know someone who actually wouldn't click yes until they read everything. I've never tried to do that. But, I mean, if you try to read that, do you understand everything? You don't. Why? Because it's all like legal terms and strange words. You don't understand. Financial statements even. Everybody doesn't know how to read them. I mean, you can read the words, but what do they mean? What do they imply? You have no clue. Right? So there are some people who are professionally trained for this work. So this is who the katib is referring to. Someone who is professionally trained, who has the professional knowledge of legal terms, etc. So he should write it down, bil'adl, with justice. What does it mean by this? That he should write it down with justice. This means two things. First of all, he should write everything accurately. He should not make any changes because he was bribed by one party. He should not make any changes. He should be fair, meaning he should write down correct details. If it's 12 months, he should write it as 12, not 2, because the other guy bribed him. You understand? So he should write down with fairness, meaning with accuracy. And secondly, he should write down with fairness, is that he should write down what is Islamically correct also. Meaning if this transaction deals with interest, he should not write it down. وَلْيَكْتُبْ كَاتِبٌ بِالْعَدْلِ It is the responsibility of the scribe, of the person putting together that document. He should not disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in making that document. It is his responsibility. He cannot say, oh, what can I do? It's my boss. You know, it's not my transaction. I'm just the scribe. I'm just like a computer. You know, I'm just writing it down. No. وَلْيَكْتُبْ بَيْنَكُمْ كَاتِبٌ بِالْعَدْلِ وَلَا يَأْبَ كَاتِبٌ now one more rule for the scribe. He should not refuse. Ya'ba. Ya'ba is from Hamza Ba'ya. Remember Shaytan, what did he do? Aba. He refused to prostrate to Adam. So the katib should not refuse ayyaktuba to write kama allamahullah just as Allah has taught him. Meaning if somebody comes up to a scribe and says, can you please write down this document for us? Can you please write down this transaction for us? Should he refuse? No, he shouldn't. You see, especially in communities where everybody does not know how to read and write, then the people who do know how to read and write are being called all the time. Can you please read this for me? Can you please write this for me? So what happens is that when so many people depend on you and they keep calling you, there comes a point where you get annoyed, where you get irritated. You're like, you know what? Figure it out yourself. Stop calling me all the time. Stop asking me all the time. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He should not refuse why? Kama Allah, Because Allah taught him. Allah taught him how to write. So he should use this skill, this knowledge to help people. To make life easy for them. Are there things that you are asked to do all the time because other people don't know how to do them? Like what? Homework. Oh my God. Please don't do that for other people. What else? Yes? 
Cell phone use. Can you please show me, like, I want to send this picture to someone, right? How do I take a selfie, right? And then how do I send this picture? And where did the message go? And where did the email go? How do I send a voice message? How do I listen to it? I need this app. What's the Snapchat thing you guys keep talking about? Hmm? Can you put it on my phone also? And how do you add a friend? Right? People ask you these things. Sometimes people ask you because they're not able to do it themselves. Turn on the TV. Turn on the computer. My question is, do you ever ask people for help? Do you ever go home and say, what's for dinner? Do you ever say, mom, what's for lunch today? Can I please have this for lunch? Can I please have this for dinner? Mom, I can't find my shirt. Mom, my pant ripped. Hmm? Mom, I can't find my other sock. Right? And then one day you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to cook myself. So you go into the kitchen and you don't even know what dice means. Right? Like dice apples. You don't know how to even hold a knife. So then every other second you're calling your mom, you're calling your older sister. My point is that you ask people for help. Don't you? Yes. So other people also need your help. Because there are some things that other people can do that you cannot do. So you need their help. And then there are some things that you can do that other people cannot do, so they need your help. So don't get irritated when people ask you for help. Yes, you should teach them, you should train them so that they become independent. They're not always relying on you. But at the same time, when you're asked for help, don't get annoyed. You know, there is a hadith in which we learned that once Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, this is a beautiful hadith, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what saves a person from hellfire? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-imanu billah, if a person believes in Allah, they're saved from hellfire. So Abu Dhar asked, is there any action with iman? Meaning is a person just supposed to believe in their heart or are they supposed to do something also? The Prophet ﷺ said he should spend out of what he has given. Meaning a person should do something and all the things they can do is they should spend. So Abu Dhar asked, what if he's poor? What if he doesn't have anything to give? The Prophet ﷺ said he should command what is right and forbid what is wrong. So Abu Dhar asked, what if he's unable to do that? Meaning what if he doesn't know what is right, what is wrong? and Or what if he's not in a position to tell people what is right and wrong? So the Prophet ﷺ said, he should teach someone a skill or he should do something for a weak person. Someone who cannot help himself, he should go and help him. So Abu Dhar asked, what if he's unable to do anything? What if he doesn't have any skill? He doesn't know how to wash dishes, do laundry, cook anything, or even fix a computer or download an app or turn the TV on. He doesn't know anything. And maybe there are people like that in this world. You know, for anything you ask them to do, they say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. They just shrug their shoulders. I don't know. I don't know. For everything. Hmm? So the Prophet ﷺ said he should help the oppressed. So Abu Dhar said, what if he's weak and he's not able to help the oppressed? The Prophet ﷺ said, are you going to leave anything good in your brother? Hmm? He should refrain from hurting people. Meaning if he cannot do anything, then he should at least refrain from hurting people. So Abu Dhar said, no more question, but I mean, one question still. He said, if he does that, will he enter Jannah? 
the Prophet ﷺ said, no Muslim does any of these things, any of these things that he said, except that I will hold his hand on the day of judgment. And I will hold his hand until he is admitted into Jannah. No person does any of these things except that I will hold his hand until he is admitted into Jannah. So what does this hadith tell us? That if you use your skill, whatever skill it has, to help someone else, this is of those actions that will help you enter Jannah, inshaAllah. So even if you know how to write something, and somebody else doesn't know, sometimes your little sibling keeps writing B as D, and your mom says, help her with her homework. Right? And you get irritated every time B is being written as D. You get irritated. No. This is a skill that Allah has given you. You can differentiate between B and D. You can help your little sister with that. Inshallah, this is one of those deeds that can help you enter Jannah. So the katib should not refuse to write because Allah taught him how to write. And remember, any skill you have, even if you're a master of Android phones, I don't know how you operate them, but let's say you are an expert, right? I don't even know how to use an Android phone. I get lost in it. But let's say you are. Never be proud of it. Because who gave you that knowledge? Who gave you that ability? Allah. كَمَا عَلَّمَهُ Whatever skill you have, Allah has given that to you. So use it to help His creation. So now the scribe is told, فَلْيَكْتُبْ He should write. Okay? He should write. He should not refuse. But now, who should tell him what to write? وَلْيُمْلِلْ And he should dictate. يُمْلِلْ أَمَلَّا يُمِلُّ مِيمْ لَامْ لَامْ It is to dictate something to someone. So, who should dictate? الَّذِي عَلَيْهِ الْحَقِّ the one on whom is the duty, the obligation, meaning the obligation to pay. Who is this person? The debtor, the one who's taking the loan, the one who's borrowing the money, the one who has to make the payment, the delayed payment, or the delayed delivery. Alright? So, وَلْيُمْلِلْ أَلَّذِي عَلَيْهِ الْحَقِّ He is the person who's supposed to dictate. Why? Because he should be fully aware of the obligations that are coming on him. وَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ رَبَّ And he should fear Allah his Lord. He should not change any of the details. وَلَا يَبْخَسْ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا And he should not reduce, diminish anything from it. يَبْخَسْ is from بَخْسْ بَخَاسِينَ And بَخْسْ is to reduce or diminish something. So he should not diminish anything. The term, the amount, anything. فَإِن then if كَانَ he was if the person was, which person? الَّذِي عَلَيْهِ الْحَقِّ The one on whom is the duty to pay, meaning the debtor, the one who's borrowing, who's supposed to dictate. What if he is safihan? He is foolish. You might be wondering if he's foolish, why is he borrowing money in the first place? Because he has to live. Alright? What is meant by foolish is not someone who's majnoon, right? someone who is insane. No. What is meant by safi? You see, there are some people who are smart in dealing with their money and there are other people who just don't know how to use their money. Right? You give them a hundred dollars, you ask them the next day, what did you do? Oh, I don't know. It's gone. Right? Like I remember I saw somebody, their father had put some money in their bank account for them. And this person was still in high school. Right? They got their debit card. They were so you know, proud of their debit card. So just in a few days, their dad, you know, 
asked them, okay, can you pay for this tea or whatever? He's like, oh, I don't have any money left on it. All the money gone. Because you can swipe now, you can tap now, right? This is Safi, someone who just throws money everywhere. So what is he going to do? He's going to borrow money from this guy, borrow money from that guy, and then at the end he's left bankrupt, and then his family is held responsible, they have to pay. So if a Safi person is borrowing money, he's not going to dictate the terms himself. Who's going to dictate on his behalf? His wali, his guardian, or father, or brother, or whoever, uncle, somebody. Because he's not mature enough to handle this himself. Alright? Another situation where a person could be Safi is that a person does not really know how these things really work. He's not really financially educated. Right? He's getting into a new business, for example. Right? He's getting into a new business, starting a new business, first contract, alright? First job. And he doesn't really know how it's gonna work. So people could really cheat him. People could deceive him. And it happens with many people. They start a new business and people just cheat them. So this is also another situation where a person could be Safi. Another situation where a person could be Safi is that, you know, some people they get a bad credit history. Yeah? You know about that? Or they have no credit history. I remember when we went to uh, rent our first apartment, the owner of the apartment, you know, he asked for you know, paperwork, etc., to show how much money we had, right? But because we were very young, my husband and I, he wasn't really confident giving his apartment to us, right? He said, you know, I need someone else to guarantee that if you run away, and if you don't pay your rent, then that person will, all right? So, alhamdulillah, I mean, we had no credit history, nothing at all. But over time, you build it, isn't it? By renting your payments, etc., you build a credit history. So let's say a person has a really bad credit history, or they have zero credit history. So the person lending the money to them is not really too confident. So in this situation, when he's Safi, then somebody else is going to dictate the terms on his behalf. Or he's weak. Weak. How is he weak? In his memory, in his age, in his health. He's not of legal age yet. Let's say there is a 10-year-old who wants to start a business. Possible, why not? He wants to start a business, and to start that business, he needs $50,000. He goes to the bank, he says, I need $50,000, give me the money. Alright, and the bank people say, oh, here's some candies for you. He said, no, no, I'm serious. So then who has to come on his behalf? His dad, his mom, somebody. So if he is safi or da'if, أو or لا يستطيع أن يملّ he is simply not able to dictate. Why? Again, there could be reasons. One reason is, he is unable to speak. Right? He is unable to speak. Another reason could be, he speaks a completely different language. He just came from a different country. He doesn't know English. And the people at the bank, or the person that he's borrowing money from, let's say, does not know his language. So somebody else has to talk on his behalf. Then فَلْيُمْلِلْ وَلِيُّهُ Then his wali. Whose wali? The debtor's wali. The one borrowing the money. Alright? The one who is incurring the dain. His wali is going to dictate the terms of the dain. Alright? Again, بِالْعَدْل With justice. With accuracy. And 
what is Islamically correct also. So what have we learned so far about Dain? What have we learned so far? Quickly tell me the points that we can move on. I want to make sure you've understood before you move on. Is taking a Dain allowed? Okay. If you're taking a Dain, you're taking a loan, what is to be done? It has to be written. Alright? It has to be written. Who has to write it? A third person. A scribe. Someone who knows how to write, someone who's knowledgeable of the legal terms, etc. He's going to write. Who's going to tell him what to write? The person who is borrowing the money. The debtor. The person who is taking the loan. Alright? He has to tell him what to write. And if he's not able to tell him for whatever reason because he's safi or da'if or la yastati'u, then who's going to tell? His guardian. Who could be his guardian? Relative or for example, lawyer. They could be his wali. 